Welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through M&A projects where we've been involved in the course of our careers, unpacking the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose in doing this is to leave you, the listener, with valuable lessons and experiences that you can use in your own M&A projects. So without wasting any more time, let's get this podcast underway. Hey, Toby, how are you today? Oh, good, Robert. Hi. How are you going there down in Melbourne? We are good, but I've just been thinking over the week, we started talking about leadership last time. We did indeed. It's a fascinating topic and you could go on forever about it. Yeah. And we're just doing a preamble a minute ago. Yeah. And one of the things you kicked off with was why is leadership the root cause of M&A failure? And I thought we might kick off there and then try to sort yeah, of let, let's, let's Let's talk about it because it's something we've been mentioning you know, in all the previous podcasts we've done. My God, Rob, we, we've done quite a few now, haven't we? We have, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> I've lost count. You know, the, but the funny thing is, is that throughout the stories we've spoken about where things have gone well and quite often not well, and we said, well, what is it? What is it that's failed? And there's several reasons why it failed. But, you know, it's always that root cause. Why? 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 And we find ourselves coming back time and time again, back to good old leadership. And it's the leadership side of M&A that has often been the root of failure. That's, that's very true. But what do you mean? Let me put you on the spot there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Why is leadership the root cause? Well, if we just break what M&A is and what are the key criteria for success on any M&A deal, yeah. you really need to have a good process. It's critical. And so often when you and I have discussed things have gone wrong, it's often because they had a lack of process. Mm-hmm. So that means having proper governance, you've got clear set of steps, which gives direction and empowerment to other people. So clear process is important. The other thing you've got to do is you've got to have people. You've got to have people in their roles who, yep. who know what they're doing, so they've got the necessary skills, they've got the experience, yeah. and these people act as teams who will perform work. But the third part of this, and I call this the holy trinity of m success, and that is leadership because you need a person or people who can provide the guidance the direction, the the focus to do what is required to achieve success for this particular M&A deal. So there needs to be that personal persons to provide the cheerleading, to provide that focus necessary for the people to do what they should do according to the processes that have been set out. Yeah, and in fact, I would put it uh, similarly. I would say that a good lead sets the vision initially about mm. this is this is where we're going, and this is what it, this is what the world looks like. Yeah, right. But that good leader also makes sure that they've got the right people around them to execute on that. Mm. That those people have got control of the right processes, and they've got all the necessary tools and resources mm. that mm. they need at their disposal Hmm. to turn that vision into operating reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so leadership isn't just about being the bloke right at the top of the tree, in my opinion. It's about being able to get the best out of people, 
processes, resources, tools, etc., to a defined outcome Mm. that that you've got everybody excited to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think the interesting is with with leadership, and we're talking about leadership specifically with regards to M&A, there are a number of key leadership roles. And let's talk about them, Rob, but I'll I'll highlight what I think are these key roles. First of all, you've got the chief executive officer, him or herself. You've got the next one is you've got the chairman, the chairman of the board or, you know, the chairman who runs the board. So you've got the board. That's a leadership function. Yes. The next one is you've got the corporate development manager, and his or her cohort of team and advisors. Yep. Then you've got advisors themselves who have a varying sort of like number of functions. And then last but not least, and I definitely not least, we'll give this one a particular focus, and that is the, the key person, I think, in all of this, which is the transaction integration lead. Yeah, because that... That person is the guy. That's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, it's it's, right. it's it's everything else is up to is all about preparing ourselves, getting ourselves where the rubber yeah. meets the road, as you say. That's the place where <sighs> the point where the deal becomes real. Yeah, the, the the thing is, it's 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 a bit down in the weeds, I know, but yeah, um, everybody can do their job perfectly. The CEO can identify the right vision and strategy for the business. Yeah. The board can approve that yeah. and get the shareholders' approval. The yeah. development manager finds the right acquisition and it's a yeah. beauty. Yeah. Right? The advisors give you all the knowledge you need about structuring the business and so on. Yep. Right? But the transaction leads actually got to put all those pieces together in the right order yeah. so that that vision materializes. It is. So, it so is. they've, they've anyway. got, you know, they're at the end of the line. And if they get it wrong, yeah. all the other work that you've done before then mm. can, can be meaningless. So, Rob, you agree with me that those are the key leadership Ab- roles absolutely. Um, for M&A. Okay, let's go yep. back up to the topic again. Let's go back to CEO, because I'm interested in your views on this one. So often with all the podcasts we've done, the CEO, <laughs> dare I say, has, in my experience, I don't know about yours, works very closely, as you, you, know, as you said before, with the chairman of the board and obviously the corporate development manager. But they're the initial cheerleader for any deal that, that might be begin to the surface. And they're interested, is this a right deal? Is it aligned with our vision and our purpose? Yep. So basically, is this the right deal? And they're obviously talking to their C-suite. There might might be an investment committee or some sort that they have, a senior management team, regarding the deal at hand. But from our experience, this is a particularly important leadership function. And we have seen in our own stories how even this function itself can so quickly derail a, a potential deal before we do anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And what I will just say, thought going through my head, is the CEO tends to be the most visible Mm. senior person in any transaction. The the Mm. board are are slightly sort of a a bit in the background to some extent. The CEO is very visible. And as an old boss of mine reminded me, there's there's a safe in every corporate boardroom. Yeah, And it's got a velvet cushion inside it, and it's yeah. got the CEO's proverbials on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. invariably, if it goes wrong, the CEO yeah. is usually the one to suffer. He's the Indeed. one to go. Yep. Right. But it goes well. This is the probably oh. the most career-enhancing oh. thing a Absolutely. CEO could ever do. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. His yeah. job is to sit there and say, okay, I've been given a task by the board. Yeah. I've decided I'm going to grow this business by acquisition. Yeah. And he really, using all of the advisors and his corporate development team and so on, as you just said, has got yeah. to sit there and go, okay, is this the right deal for us? Yeah. Have we got it at the right price? Yeah. Does it really fit the vision and purpose yeah. that we're after? Mm. Right. And and he's got to feel comfortable about that to get the support of the board yeah. for the acquisition. But he's also got another job, and that is that he's got to sell the acquisition internally to everybody else. Indeed, indeed. One of the things we've discussed before in previous podcasts is we've got to make sure the CEO doesn't come down with a common affliction called deal fever. Yes. And um, suddenly <laughs> finding yep. themselves running roughshod over all these processes, and, and rather than selling it, it's actually forcing it down other people's throats. Yep. And, and you're right. He's, he's got the job of calming the ship, so mm. to speak. Yeah, right? yeah. Captain he's, the ship. He's, yeah, this is back to the point we were making earlier about leadership is in base. Your actions filter down through the entire organization. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. More so than anybody else. Yeah. You've got the job of selling the acquisition to your business, to Indeed. everybody in it. Indeed. Okay, Rob, anything more to say about the CEO before we move on to the next key leadership role? No, no, I think other than uh, the fact that we've said he's the, he's the most visible person. Yeah, he in, or she. Yeah. He or she yeah. in a transaction. Indeed. Equally could be the one who's executed if it doesn't go right. <laughs> or, or richly remunerated. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and, well, remunerated, yes, but a, a, a CEO that's good at what he does, that yeah. shows good leadership qualities, yeah. goes, as, as somebody I once used to say, onwards and upwards. <laughs> well, let's, let's go on to um, the board, because the board function yeah. is obviously absolutely critical in the M&A process, and I've often seen the board take a rather backseat approach. In other words, they're just basically rubber stamping, which is not the right way to do it. You know, no. It's hardly leadership function, no. but I have seen it. It's effectively something that's run by the CEO and the management team, and they basically just go to the board and just go, okay, can you approve this? Here's some documents. Go ahead yep. and stand. Take. Okay, we've got to approve. Okay, good. Let's carry on. That's not how it should be. And you've got to have a chairman who performs the proper function of the chairman, and the board understands its own function properly as moderators and there to support the CEO during uh, an M&A deal. I mean, from your perspective, Rob, what, what do you think are the primary leadership sort of pro steps or what do you think they they should be doing and then the qualities of, well, of the board when it comes to leadership in m a in, in my sense it's a yin yang mm. right so the board have got two accountabilities they've got accountability to the shareholders for a start so they've got to give the shareholders comfort that the way that the board is growing and expanding the business mm. is both safe and profitable and has got a strong growth trajectory. At the same time, the board has to make sure that the CEO's got clarity about mm. what they expect from him and what sort of deals he needs to bring mm -hmm. to the board. Mm -hmm. right? And a good board, you're right, a good board doesn't rubber stamp. A good board will actually look at a deal mm. and try and take it apart from the point of view of, well, 
why why should we do this yeah exactly yeah how will it benefit shareholders yeah you know and they got they got a duty of care here so they got to make sure that they're doing things that benefits and not just shareholders but all stakeholders yeah and it's what i want to say yin yang i've been in scenarios where the board have set acquisition strategy and said, this is what we're going to do. This is the direction the board wants to go in. Mm. This is what our shareholders have asked for us, Mm. right? And that's handed down to the CEO as a sort of a fait accompli of you go now and find acquisitions that fit this brief. But the best ones I've been in is where it's a two-way process and the CEO's also coming to the board and saying, I've been looking at the way this business is running and I think we've got an opportunity to do this, this. And he will present that idea to the board for approval. So it's a two-way street. Well, that's good. I mean, I have seen occasions where it's been something slightly more adversarial where the board has, dare I say, a certain element of distrust in the management team and uh, they don't perhaps they're following the proper process or following policy or perhaps I'm taking on too much risk. Yeah, true. But one of the things you've got to look at as well is, mm. and you, you, you can go on to this forever. Yeah. yeah. If you're on a board of a business that, for example, is uh, highly dependent on TGA, say you're a pharmaceutical business, yeah. then you've got regulatory controls coming out of your ears. Mm. And so, as a board, you've got a significant amount of accountability, not just to the business, not just to the shareholders, but to the regulatory yes, management indeed. of the business. Yeah. And so, so yeah. those boards tend to be more risk averse. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Right, yeah. They're, yeah. they're they're very cautious about the way they do things and they move forward and so on. Mm-hmm. And so, they tend to more tightly manage. The M&A process. Yeah. But yep. in outside of that regulatory environment, mm. you've got a bit more of a dynamic scenario. Oh, yeah. and, I, and I personally mm. have enjoyed the times when I've been in scenarios where you've got this equal yin-yang between the sure. CEO and the board, sure. both offering their, their input as to the way the business can be could grow and prosper. Yeah, that, that would be the ideal balance of leadership. Indeed, indeed. You know, with the stories we've been recently telling, Rob, of course, where failure has occurred, we've seen failure, leadership failure being fallen at the feet of CEOs, but we've seen it also thrown at the feet of board members. And we have, if we remember the, um, what is it, the HP autonomy deal, that was a failure of the um, CEO failure, but it was also a failure of the board. My old um, mate so, Leo. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was a, that was most certainly a board failure, and it was a CEO failure. Yeah, it was. So very, very interesting. Now let's get on to the next leadership function before we get on to finally the transaction integration lead, corporate development manager. Another really important leadership function. And typically in corporate development, they have their own team and they might have the actual person who executes or or runs the transaction in itself and often brings on advisors, whether they're legal advisors or financial advisors or perhaps looking for investment or investment banking advisors. Anything you'd like to say about uh, corporate development managers? Again, corporate development can be a very isolated function. Mm. What what I mean by that is I can see it in my head. I can go back to SAP headquarters in Germany, walk into the uh, board suite, as it was Mm. called. Right over there in the right-hand corner was this group of people Mm. that 
you hardly ever saw unless you were one of the people like me that was in and out of the board area, and they were corporate development, mm. right? And they didn't interact with everybody else in the business. Their job was just to basically support the board and the CEO yes. and find the appropriate deals yes, and then take advice on how those deals should be integrated into the business. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And and I, and I think they, they're really to make sure that there's a pipeline, that when you, if you're sourcing deals, that the, you're progressing them through the deals and through whether it's bidding or due diligence negotiating or signing or closing. Well, you think about it. You imagine you're a corporate development manager. Mm. Right? Some point in your life, your CEO or the chairman of the board or whoever yeah. is going to come to you and they're going to say, Toby, the board's decided that we're going to grow this business by 50% over the next 10 years. Mm. We're going to maintain EBITDA at 12% mm. and recurring revenue at 40%. And we've decided we're going to do that by acquiring companies that fit this criteria. Yep. Um. You've got one hell of a job on your hands now because you've got to go and find those acquisitions that meet all that criteria. Yeah. And one of the things I've often mused about is a good development, corporate development manager has got one eye towards that criteria. In other words, how do I satisfy my board and my CEO yeah. with the quality and size of acquisitions in the right time frame? Mm. But the really good ones, the good leadership ones, actually have another thought into operational directors. Mm. And they are often talking to divisional GMs about, hey, Joe, we're looking at an acquisition that's got these sort of criteria. How do you think that would fit inside your – and they're, yeah. they're looking also to getting advice from divisional directors – into how that acquisition is then going to nicely fit in sure. with the current operations. Yep. Well, Rob, anyway, I'm going to move along. So, you yep. know, corporate development, absolutely important role, absolutely critical. And I, I'll maybe just brief, I should briefly mention, by the way, that there are also advisors. Say, for example, you might get an advisor on the legal side to do the deal, do the due diligence deal structure. They could advise to say, well, look, perhaps from a legal perspective, this is a deal that maybe you shouldn't do, or yep. you should do it this way, or, yep. or consider the impacts. And same goes with finance, and so commonly with finance. But they're important leadership functions in themselves. And they, for the time that those people are on board, their roles are very important when it comes to the success and failure of a potential deal. I've got um, a particular view on that, and I, mm. I don't know what your thoughts are, but yeah. I think the advisory role is very important, obviously. Yeah. But advisors should report up through corporate development. No, no, no argument there. I think one thing you should do is make sure the advisors don't start running the show or taking over. Yep. Advisors will sometimes come in and they'll go, oh, I want to go and talk straight to the CEO. Yeah, no, they, the they, absolutely not. No, because otherwise they, they start, no, that, that that's a leadership well, failure in itself, by the way. Yeah, you're, by, um, you're you, bypassing you, the roadmap. Yeah, you're bypassing it. And don't you've got to control the show. You've got to run the agenda yep. internally. And that comes down to the corporate development manager. We'd make sure the agenda is being run. And these, these advisors don't get ahead of themselves. So that's yep. absolutely key. They, they've got a leadership function, True. but it's a limited function within the overall M&A uh, process. Now, 
I'm just going to put you put a position here because we're about to move on to a very important role. Yeah, which I think is the most important. I, I do as well. Uh, that's because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, uh, yes, Rob. Uh, well, you what's know, just, what's a bit just more to it than that, but go on, yeah. What's, what's just popped into my head yeah. is all those roles we've just talked about yeah. are essentially pre-deal. Yes. Right? Now, sitting on a desk somewhere at the end of the corporate development manager's office mm. is a big green go button, mm. right? And when that corporate development manager has got all of the necessary advice and it's been mm. presented to the board and the CEO signed off on it and the deal's been inked and it's been signed and all the appropriate legal and tax requirements have been dealt with, yep. you're now faced with actually putting that into practice. Yeah. So just to set the scene, I've got this picture in my head of a big green go button. Yep. And it's on a desk in a big long room. Okay. Which is occupied by the transaction lead or the integration lead. Yeah. Right? And right at the end of this room, big long room, hmm. is a great big fan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, and that's the environment that the transaction lead. What's the, what's this big fan you're talking about? This is a, just elaborate well, a bit. It, it, it's got an automatic sensor on it that sometimes, when certain criteria happen mm. in the integration process, mm. uh, a fan switches on and a big pile of smelly stuff gets thrown. <laughs> up okay. okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I, just for the listeners' sake, I just wanted to elaborate on that. You know, which, uh, after yes, yeah. Okay. Um, the interesting is, is the, go, on, go on. No, I well, the thing is that I've just got to lead you in here. Yeah. We're now at the point where the rubber hits the road. Right? It is. This we've is now, the rubber. We've now yeah. got, we're proud owners of a new business. Yeah. We're now going to integrate it so that we can create that vision that the board had two years ago. Yeah. And we're going to make the CEO an absolute hero. Yeah. We're going to give a big fat bonus to the corporate development manager for finding the right acquisition. Yeah. And all of that rests on the shoulders of the integration lead who's got to put all the bits together so that when it's finished, the picture is a beautiful one. It is, it is. And with all the stories, all the stories we've done, Rob, I would say, yes, when it comes to leadership failure, yes, it's been sometimes been the CEO. Yes, occasionally it's been the board. Corporate development manager sometimes too. Advisors, yeah, every now and then. But more often than not, it is the actual integration itself. What happens after the deal that matters most. And where failure might occur, failure invariably happens during execution. You said everything else pre-deal, and I think that's because there's a certain commodity aspect to what you're doing. It's been commoditized. In other words, you know, there's a it's very readily defined what a corporate development, not wishing to be little what they do, but it, it does follow a, a, a certain trans set of transactional steps. Even what the CEO d- does, what advises is specifically very transactional. When you see how legal and finance and investment banking works, it's very transactional. The art, the art of what we're doing is in the execution. Execution is the art. And that's the part of what the integration manager does. 
Yeah, agreed. They, they're the ones who made the deal real. And I think that that's the major M&A leadership where it needs to be. And I think to this day, if, if I'm going to put a gripe here, and here's my gripe, is that I think often organizations don't see how critical the integration lead is from a leadership perspective. Well, everybody ticks off up to the point where the deal is finalized, mm. right? And above that line, everybody pats themselves on the back mm. and think they've done a fantastic job and we're now the proud owners of a new business. Yep. Yeah, because after all, they pop the champagne corks, they're usually done on completion, now. They do, do they not? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. They're exactly. popping, they're having their parties, that sort of <clears> thing. But nothing's been delivered yet. There's been no synergies. Nothing's been delivered. All we've got yeah. is a promissory note. Well, if you think about it, it's a bit like when you get married, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you, well, if you think, if you, tell me you, more, Jorob. Well, you walk, you walk down the aisle. Yeah. Right, and some guy in a fancy frock turns around and says, "Congratulations, you're now Mister and Mrs. Whatever." Yeah. Right. Well, that's fantastic, and you might feel bloody great about it, and you're really happy. Yeah. But you've you've now got the next fifty years to try and actually turn it into a happy marriage in reality, and that's where the integration yeah. process comes in, making um, sure that it's a good marriage. Yes, making sure I, I, it's a good yeah, marriage. Yeah, 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 and that's what's M and A success. M and A is basically like and, a marriage. As it, you say. It, it is sort of what you're doing because yeah. you know you've suddenly got two of everything. Yeah, you, you've got two sales teams. You've got two accounting systems, you've got two business systems, you've got two CFOs, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And a transaction lead is faced with actually bringing all of those separate bits together in a manner where if company one is 100 million revenue and company two is 200 million revenue, mm-hmm. when the integration manager is finished, he should have a company that's got revenue of five or six hundred million. I often see Rob this role, this transaction integration lead role, as being number of things from a leadership perspective. They're often a coach. Yes. They're a consultant. They're yep. often an advisor. They yep. can sometimes be an ambassador because they're making connections. It's that kind of ambassadorial and, type and, function. And, and of course, there's the project manager. But yep. interesting enough, they also need to be a bit of an entrepreneur too. Well, I'm also going to add one more. Yeah. Right. Good integration manager is also a doer. Yeah. Oh, did I not be- mention that? Because, <laughs> because yeah, go on. a good one, yeah. sometimes when there's problems or challenges, yeah. he's the one that rolls his sleeves up, gets in the middle of it all. Yeah. And says, right, this is what we need to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I need here. Yeah. Right. And they orchestrate all yeah. of those resources to achieve the integration outcome that, that needs to happen. Yep. Yep. And, but there also should be supreme communicators and expert negotiators. As you're saying all this, Rob, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you with all this. This is all very fine. But how common are these sort of people? You're, you're describing a number of traits here, leadership traits, in this particular role. But how common are these individuals? I, I don't think they do are Do you find at all. them in organizations? Where, where do you find these people? 
Well, I'll tell you what I found over the course of my career, and mm. uh, uh, by no means is this the sort of ultimate, if you like. For, for every 10 integration managers that I've mm. seen, now. I would go as far as saying I've seen eight that are just simply good at following bouncing balls. They've, they've got a process. They've got a roadmap, mm. templates and whatever, right? Yep. And they fill them in diligently day by day, and they sign them off and tick them off and complete them until the acquisition is finished. Yeah, yeah. so they're box tickers. They're box tickers, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen the other two. The other twenty yeah. percent, yeah, um, they've come up into that role not through finance or legal or mm. through one of the big four. Mm. They've come up into that role through an operational level. Yep, yeah. They've been production managers. They've been commercial directors. I, I agree with you. I think there's a deep operational side to this because yeah. they need to work in the weeds, devil in the detail, as they often say. Well, um, we've and, said this many times before, yeah. but a good integration manager mm. can see and feel mm. the things that nobody else can see and feel. Yeah. yeah. They intuitively know when something's not right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they know how to get their sleeves rolled up and get down into it to try and find out what the problem is. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, that's uh, the sort of person you need leading an integration process. Now, I think when we talk about all these roles, we've talked about, uh, Rob, CEO, chairman, board, corporate development manager, advisors. Now we've got this transaction integration lead, and I'm sure you agree with me. Out of all of these, the transaction integration leader is the most consequential role when it comes to m success. Well, I would agree and disagree to some level. Hmm. So all of those roles that you've just talked about are yep. all critical to the overall success. Mm. And they've all got a responsibility towards driving that success. Mm. An advisor that gives you wrong advice about tax structure can cost the corporation millions. Yep. A corporate development manager who doesn't negotiate well mm. can end up paying more for a business than it's sure. actually worth. But when you get down to the actual integration level, some of the actions of the integration manager can be long-standing. In other words, if you screw something up at that level, mm. it becomes operational reality and the ability to try and reverse it. And I'm just going to throw, throw one example. Yeah. You imagine an integration lead <coughs> who takes an autocratic style to the way that he's got to integrate the two businesses. Sure. And he pisses everybody off, creates cultural diversion in the business. You're never going to recover from that. Mm -hmm. I, agree. You know, I what, agree. Once that cultural issue has raised its head, it's really, really hard to try and put it back in its box. Yep. Yep. Right. So, and whereas the, the corporate development manager, yes, he can bugger up the deal by it, costing too much hmm. right the transaction or integration lead 
actually touches hundreds of different points of contact across the business. So they're capable of screwing up <laughs> a hell of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Big yeah. time. Anyway, I think, I think, Rob, let's just wrap this up a bit. We, we've talked about a number of leadership, M&A leadership functions. And just for the benefit of everybody, we talked about the CEO. We talked yep. about the board and the chairman. Corporate yep. development manager. We've talked about advisors. We've talked about the transaction integration lead. Now, I think, I'm sure you agree with me, we need to discuss the transaction integration lead in a bit <clears> more detail. <throat> we haven't got time in this podcast. But I think it is a particularly interesting role. And we need to break it down a little bit more about the very leadership qualities of that role, but also the types of transaction integration leaders, because I think there's a certain experience and maturity required in this role. I so agree. If organizations are going to choose or find an integration lead, well, what is this person? Let's, let's, let's define it a bit better. We haven't got the time now, but let's define it in a, in a well, future podcast. Well, yes, but we talked about this before we started, and I think mm. there's some time left. You identified four different types of yep. integration leader. Yep. So why don't you just roll those out, and then that can set our agenda for the next podcast. Well, indeed, indeed. Well, let me be uh, just very quickly. I see, you know, out of all my experience, Rob, I see there are basically four categories of transaction integration leaders. Yep. The first category I would call the rookie. And this is a person who doesn't really actually know what they're doing, wings it, and but thinks they're quite good at it. And I've seen those individuals. That's what, that's what you mentioned before is the Dunning-Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger effect, indeed. indeed. They, think Dunning they're down, they think they're think they completely hopeless at it, but they think they're really good at it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're, not, they're not very good, but they think they're brilliant. Yeah. Then you have the next category, which I would call the project manager. And this is where perception has mostly that people mainly see this as a project management function. And, yep. and not to deny it, it, there's a very large component, but that's not seeing the whole picture. It's back to what I said earlier. That's the 80% that just follow the bouncy ball. It is, yeah. It, it's to see it in a project management paradigm. It's a certain paradigm. It's a way of seeing the world, yep. running it as a project. I would just go on to say the next level, I would say, was someone who I would call the integrator. Now, an integrator goes beyond project management. They're not seeing it as a project or solely as a project. They're seeing it, ah, we're in the business here of delivering synergies, you know, yep. cost and revenue synergies, and they drive it accordingly. And that's She's, a different different mindset here. You well, know, this, so, is, this is the two plus two equals six people. It, huh? It's actually seeing it differently, and you're not quite seeing it the same way a project manager might. Agreed. Much more outcome-focused rather than objective-focused. Yep. And then the last category, and I, I call this person <sighs> the innovator, and this is a person who goes beyond the deal. And they're looking at not just as cost and revenue synergies, but also what else could we be doing? What innovative opportunities could we exploit yep. as a result of this deal and bring that in to the whole integration effort? And I call that person the innovator. And this is the pinnacle, I should say, but it's a, certainly a different set of leadership characteristics or traits so as i'll repeat them the rookie the project manager the integrator and innovator the four different um transaction integration leaders and we can talk about that in the, in the uh, next podcast I, I think that will be a fascinating thing to talk about because you're talking about the difference between someone just 
simply doing a job, running a project, yep. someone that actually comes in and says, but I think I could do it a bit better and make some money out of this. Yes, exactly. And then somebody who actually says, no, no, no. The reason why we're doing this is to take this business to a vision that is beyond just the norm. Beyond the, beyond what the, the due we, diligence, what yeah. due diligence said and all the synergies, say, yes, that's a good, but that's just a starting point. There's more here to be had. Yeah, and, and they really do innovate to create. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would be great to talk about next time, yeah. Toby. Okay, good. And uh, we shall be back in two weeks for those people that want to join us, and we will continue this wonderful discussion about the value of leadership. Rob, it's great talking with you once again. We find ourselves getting on like a house on fire when it comes to all these sort of things. So yeah. um, it's, it's certainly good fun talking to you. <sighs> yeah, certainly. And uh, that just leaves me to say uh, bye for now. And goodbye. Bye.